I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, this is your new episode of Baselayer. Again, we're bringing back some of the old family. I have Michael, the CEO of Fireblocks with me today. Michael, how are you? Great, David. Thanks for having me again here. It's fantastic. Again, I'm bringing the family back. I've had Ilya. I've had people from Polygon. I've had people from IMX. It's a bunch of people coming back, and it's fantastic to see the growth over the last few years. And so for those that don't know, Fireblocks is an enterprise-grade platform delivering a security infrastructure for moving, storing, and issuing digital assets. Fireblocks enables exchanges, lending desks, custodians, banks, trading desks, and hedge funds to securely scale digital asset operations through the Fireblocks network and MPC-based wallet infrastructure. And so Fireblocks is serving thousands of financial institutions and has secured the transfer of over $4 trillion in digital assets, big T, and has a unique insurance policy that covers assets in storage and transit. Big numbers. Congratulations on that. Again, when I spoke, when we first had John, it wasn't four trillion. So again, massive growth. And congratulations to you and to the team there. So what we're going to talk about, and again, Michael has been on the show again before. If you want to go back into Michael's past, you know, more than welcome to do that. But you know, for what we're going to talk about, and we've talked about this a few times over the course of 24 since the onset here. Security has been a big issue. You know, last year alone, we had another few billion dollars that were drained in DeFi between exploits and hacks. Uh, a lot of human error, unfortunately, as well, too. And so in 2017, the infamous Lazarus group hacked into four South Korean exchanges and stole 200 million of Bitcoin. Working for the cybersecurity leader Checkpoint at the time, the would be founders, you, Michael, and others, were part of a task force that investigated the massive cyber breach. You talk to us a little bit about how security at the very core of Fireblocks has been so important to the growth of your business and securing the assets that are happening in digital assets. Yeah. So I think that the interesting thing, and that basically goes back to that hack, right, is that uh, the fundamental assumptions around how do you secure crypto assets and compared to how do you secure traditional assets and, you know, specifically the, the traditional financial system are different right fundamentally different because we don't have any recourse because that's a it's a bare instrument and uh, because at the end of the day the security is sort of like you know underpinned by two things one is the private key right of uh, the um you know the, the wallet that basically holds the 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 assets and the second element is really where are you sending those assets and is that like a secure is it like a validated destination and that part actually evolved you know when we were starting fireblocks um most of the transfers were basically otc or peer-to-peer -peer -peer or basically cfi transfers right where you sending from your wallet to a different wallet of the exchange and 
Um, what I think we all kind of proud of is that over the last uh, four or five years, the, the ecosystem involved in, into a thick uh, a mode where most of the transactions are actually going into DeFi, right? Yeah. So interacting with smart contracts and so on. But inevitably, that that's basically like you know where you you actually seeing a lot of the the issues. Um, so you know from from our standpoint, the value proposition that we always had to to your question was that we had to basically build an infrastructure that it, that solves for two things. One is that it's the utmost secure, right? And uh, I don't want to basically, like, you know, kind of uh, use um, bombastic words like, you know, uh, military grade or enterprise grade. So mm-hmm. secure to the point where we believe that uh, it is able to withstand some of the most sophisticated attacks. And uh, um, and the other aspect of it is that it supports operational scale and operational efficiency, right? Because actually, like, you know, at the early days when we when we started, there were a bunch of solutions, including Zappo and Bitgo and so on, Coinbase Custody, that uh, ledger devices that uh, um, allowed you to basically secure assets, uh, but they were offline, right? right. There, there wasn't like any way for you to actually interact with uh, either at high velocity or interact with on-chain, uh, uh, be on-chain. Yep. And, and we had to solve for that, right? So, you know, what, one of the things that we are clearly very proud of is the $4 trillion number. But I think one of the things that are also quite impressive is that uh, today there are somewhere at the, at the order of basically three, four million transactions per month that are actually executed through our infrastructure, right? And right. That, that is like basically a completely different game and I think that overall, it actually brings us to utility use cases, right, yep. around going blockchain. That's right. And so for those that are familiar with Fireblocks, we'll make sure that everything is in the show notes. So as we always do, there's a lot of things that you all are providing these days. Again, treasury management, wallets as a service, tokenization, payments, governance and policies, staking, security, you know, emphasis on Web3 and being able to build experiences there. There's a lot of things, compliance, integrating KYT, AML, and travel compliance into your operations. A lot of things you guys are all doing there. Uh, and obviously, as you said, you know, millions of transactions on a monthly basis in that big uh, $4 trillion number. One of the two things that we're going to focus on right now with you while we have you here is that there are two things that have happened recently. There is one called off exchange, which you just alluded to briefly. Uh, and there was also something else that happened at the end of 23, which was an acquisition of Blockfold. We're going to talk about why those are two important things that have happened. As I said, though, off exchange is a new solution that enables trading firms and asset managers to trade on centralized exchanges from an on-chain MPC shared wallet eliminating exchange counterparty risks. So what I want to know is how does this work for those that are listening, obviously sophisticated investors, institutional investors, family offices, how does that work? And how does this improve the overall user experience in digital assets? Yeah. So let's start with like, you know, the, probably the second part of your question of like the why, right? Why do we, why do we, we invest it and build this? It all goes back, I think like, you know, to FTX. Uh, um, for we, we've been preaching for quite a long period of time that counterparty risk in crypto is uh, not only something that you need to avoid, but specifically 
crypto and blockchain, they bringing in the mechanisms to reduce counterparty risk, even compared to the traditional financial system where everything is sort of like, you know, built on this pyramid of trust and regulation, right? And that regulation was actually like something that evolved over the years because of uh, many of many traditional criminal you know, activities. Um, FTX like essentially like, you know, blew everyone out of the water, right? Because of the amount of trust that was put over there. And we were basically trying to figure out, okay, what is the mechanism that we can put in place that can remove the trust, you know, that financial institutions, uh, trading firms, uh, professional uh, traders, hedge funds, and so on. Uh, how can we remove the counterparty risk that they're actually taking to centralized exchanges? But simultaneously, how do we can sort of guarantee to the exchanges that um, they are able to basically force those uh, institutions that they allow them to trade on their venue to settle, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that that was the, the solution. And specifically, the, the question is like, how do you protect the principle, right? And it, 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 it is quite easy to understand in the context of FTX, if I had to trade, if I traded like 100 Bitcoin on FTX, I had to pre-fund that on FTX, mm -hmm. you know, showing in the UI that I have those 100 uh, Bitcoin on FTX. But as we know, behind the scenes, uh, that was basically uh, re-apophagated and moved to Alameda Research. So what was showing, what you've been showed at the UI was actually not there, right? So uh, the off-exchange solution that we, we've built, it's a quite of an elegant solution and basically used MPC technology that uh, we've been one of the firms that were pioneering it over the years. And the ability of MPC is to create a more sophisticated and more agile form of uh, what we would call like multi-sig, right? So you basically can create this kind of wallet that is unique on the blockchain and the control over the wallet, the wallet can be used to, it can be split across uh, multiple participants, right? So uh, the way it works is quite easy, right? Or quite simple. There is, when you want to connect to a venue, so the first venue that we actually launched it with is Deribit. And uh, you, uh, we are creating this specific wallet, which we call, a, call it Coral Vault Account, but it's basically a wallet that actually is able to operate across all the different chains. That's one of the beauties of MPC. Uh, the control over the wallet is basically being split between the trading firm and uh, Deribit, or basically the exchange. And then there is basically another key share that is used in the case of, let's call it like emergency, if something happens to Deribit, or if something happens to, to a trading firm, or if there is like some kind of disagreement between the two, or there is uh, a court order. So there is a way right. to it resolve uh, some kind of um, legal ambiguity in terms of the situation. Uh -huh. But typically, like, you know, under all circumstances, you, you're actually getting two things. One, your principle is being protected because it's over there and you can see it and it's under your control. It solves for transparency because you actually see that the assets are being, uh, are, are sitting over there, both sides. Basically, uh -huh. like the image knows that you're good for what you're trading and you cannot like, you know, basically run away with it and leave them uh, with a hole. And, uh, and, and and you know, like, you know, the exchange is basically not misrepresenting to you that uh, the funds are, are there or if they're getting hacked or if there is some kind of severe issue over there, you can basically protect your principal. So that's right. basically the solution. By the way, the interesting uh, story, just to add to that, this is a solution that um, is specifically designed for trading firms. 
Um, you might ask, okay, so it's great for the professional. What about the individuals, right? Well, what about like, you know, the retail people that are trading on the exchange, right? And uh, for that, we actually came up slightly earlier in September. We came with, with another offering, which was called the non-custodial wallet uh, SDK, which actually sort of like, you know, gives some, some, some of the similar properties. Mm -hmm. This is actually much more geared towards a... Uh, retail uh, investors or retail users of exchanges where the exchanges are actually able to give them this capability to protect the or to give them more control and protection for their assets in a more uh, streamlined web3 experience right amazing again love the you know as i said when we had michael on before years back it was more theoretical is this is what we're trying to build and now obviously things are just in motion and people are using these things now because they're important to keep their assets safe so again the second thing that we wanted to talk about with you uh is the acquisition of blockfold made at the end of last year so uh since its first bank issued stablecoin in march of 22 Fireblocks has delivered more than 10 stablecoin projects and is an active conversation with more than 25 banks globally who are exploring the creation of bank-issued stablecoins or tokenized deposits. Within the next three years, Fireblocks expects the value of tokenized money on the blockchain to reach $450 billion, big B. So my question to you is what in the market right now now we you alluded to we had FTX we had issues back in 22 we've slowly started to move through that things have been litigated you know some of the the kind of the bad blood is out of the system now so what about this time in this place in the last quarter or so in 23 into 24 is making you and the team so bullish that you know this market is going to rebound so hard into the tokenization future now, again, we've seen that happen play out with RWAs. We've seen, obviously, the emphasis of wrapped future, uh, wrapped, obviously, treasuries uh, and giving access to that um, because, obviously, with the treasury markets, with the yield that they've been able to generate over the last year or so with some of the quantitative tightening, you've seen that be a very interesting kind of element. But what about this time and place right now with your acquisition of Blockfold is making the team so bullish, again, on the, the future of tokenization going to 24 and to 25? Yeah. So first of all, like RWA is tokenization, right? It's basically, it's like you know, from our standpoint, it's it's a bit of just like a different acronym for right for, for that. Um, we've been um, so I think there are a couple of things. One, I think we have, and and I think most of the space has a long term thesis that most of the assets and most of the activity that will happen on the blockchain on the long run will be non not the cryptocurrencies themselves it's not going to be bit uh, well it's not going to be eth or sol or it's going to be the applications and specifically the assets that are going to replatform from the traditional system into um into the blockchain and the, and then like you know the applications that will be built in order to work with the, those assets now in practice this is actually all, all already happening so just to give some interesting stats we looked like two and a half years ago, uh, or it was like maybe like three years ago, actually, at the beginning of 2021, uh, about only like 30% of the volume that was going through our network and through our wallets was stable coins. Now it's between 55 to 65%. Wow. And, and that means uh, that's basically like, you know, the um, sort of the, the percentage out of the volume, clearly like the volume significantly increased as well. And, and that basically tells us that we're actually seeing practical 
non-speculative uh, use cases being widely adopted. And I don't think that a lot of people will disagree about the statement that probably the first, it's called a killer use case, but maybe like, you know, the most adopted use case in terms of utility is payments using stablecoin. I mean, it's being proven to be quite efficient. We're seeing a lot of our clients being uh, able to leverage this technology purely, you know, without trading it through against Bitcoin or anything like that. Uh, to create efficiencies in uh, remittance, in payments, and so on. Um, and it's also clear, as, and, and there are quite a few, I mean, honestly, like, you know, there are basically two, three players right now in the market in terms of stablecoins. So you have you have Circle, you have Paxos, you have Tether, right? Right. Paxos basically uh, with, with PayPal. It's clear that like, you know, we would need a much more global distribution, right? So it basically plays into FX. We all, it's also clear that banks uh, under the different uh, regulatory regimes that we are seeing, uh, starting from Japan to Europe to um, uh, Singapore and, uh, and so on, are stepping into this game to create tokenized deposits, which is like a sort of like a fractional reserve based uh-huh. stable and so on. And they all need infrastructure. We've done quite a few of those projects. And in parallel, we're also seeing quite a lot of experimentation. I would call it experimentation, but in some cases, it's actually getting to maybe early pilots uh, of uh, other tokenized uh, forms of assets, whether those are carbon credits or securities uh, and money market funds. So to underpin all that, we've been, just like historically, we've been playing, Firebox was playing a major role in providing the wallet infrastructure and the key management to interact with minting, burning, applying corporate actions, sanction actions into all those smart contracts that represent those tokenized uh, assets. And we were partnering with a bunch of uh, companies uh, on those projects in terms of the the technology, in terms of who brings a smart contract. One of them was basically Blockfold. And Blockfold has historically actually provided superior uh, experience for some of the higher end project so a good example is a project we've done with the tel aviv stock exchange and the ministry of finance they did the project mariana for the b for the bank of international settlements uh we've done project with them for the national australian bank and the nz bank so mm-hmm. or there was a quite a lot of synergy that pre-existed and they actually were able to prove that they are able to deliver on those projects this is why we acquire them and the goal for us is to continue from a technology standpoint, to proliferate uh, the ability to tokenize assets. And the way that we are looking into that is uh, twofold. There is a product and technology and basically a library of assets, but we're also providing professional services or the ability to customize and work with our clients on specialized projects when they... And a good example of that, if you now want to create a tokenized bond, and you have some very specific characteristics that you need that bond to carry on chain. Uh-huh. Something which is on the shelf might not cut it. And therefore, we also have the capacity to deploy those specialized um, R&D resources per project and help people out. Amazing. So again, a host of things that are happening there at Fireblocks. Again, for those that have known Fireblocks as MPC, as security, as you know, wallet infrastructure, Expanding upon that vision, expanding upon those offerings, really quite impressive. 
I think my last question, you know, before we let you go, Michael, is we always like to have our founders talk about the roadmap and what, you know, our listeners should be thinking about and looking for in the next year coming here. So the next six to 12 months, what are some things, milestones that Fireblocks is trying to hit on that we should be watching out for? Yeah, so I think there are two uh, points there. The first one, it, we've been extremely active in developing a lot of additional uh, products on our platform right? in the last 12 months. And I think a lot of our focus uh, um, in the next 12 months is to make those products both adopted and also to support the people that we're currently working with that bought those products to make them successful and hit those uh, success stories, right? To continue the uh, and push the industry forward. The second aspect, which we are currently, which is really important for us and we're allocating resources is around the on-chain identity and programmable compliance, uh, because we do recognize that uh, with tokenization and with um, a lot of uh, so like incumbent players where compliance is important and regulators coming in, um, we need to sort of evolve the space into frameworks. I mean, the frameworks have to evolve, but also the space have to evolve to provide consumer protection uh-huh. uh, capabilities, um, anti-money laundering capabilities. It has to be done in a way that is native to the to the to this to the to the to the asset or native to the technology, right? Right. A lot of things that are currently being forced and carried over from the traditional space and the way that it's it's very similar to what I said at the beginning, right? Like the security is being done differently, right? And I think we've been successful in proving that you can actually apply new methods of security. But it's now becomes clear to us that also compliance had to be done different. The narrative and the thesis and like, what do we want to achieve? Which like, we want to protect people from being scammed and we want All to right. make sure that people are not, you know, operating freely in this system are, I think they're being kept constant, you know, between the traditional and the new, but the technology needs to be different. And this is like an area where we actually quite aggressive in terms of both developing and partnering and working with some early uh, early adopters. So um, this is probably an area where we are quite excited about in 2024. And it is definitely an enablement play, which we hope to, th- that will underpins a, a lot of newcomers into this space. Amazing. Again, this was Michael Sholov, obviously CEO of Fireblocks. So happy to have you back on the show, Michael. It's been three, four years. And of course, in crypto, three, four years makes us 40 years between getting to talk to each other. So much that you have done at Fireblocks. Um, and again, we will make sure everyone is aware of all the different points of entry that you guys can use Fireblocks for. Uh, we wish you all a good 24 and we'll hopefully catch up with you soon to see how everything's taken off. David, it was a real pleasure. Hopefully we'll see each other sooner than uh, four years for you. Indeed. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. 